Hi, welcome to another episode from Ideascape. I'm trying out this thing where I give you a little preamble before reading out the post. If I can add to it in some way more than what has already been written, I think it will be a little more entertaining, right? So you come across chatbots so often these days. You go to a bank and you have this bot which offers to help. You go to a store, online store, and there's another bot that comes up and says that it'll help you navigate the store. But you know all these are programs. And you know that they have been scripted. And so what happens when we reach the point where we are unable to distinguish between a bot that is a bot and a bot that seems a lot like a human being? So that's the first post for the day. What if you believed a bot was human? With most chatbots, you know you're talking to a machine. But what if you didn't know? That's the fascinating premise of a book written about a decade ago called The Most Human Human. There's a competition held every year to figure out how far chatbots have progressed. On one side are three people selected to be judges. On the other are two chatbots and a human. The humans have to figure out if they're chatting with a bot or a human. A five-minute conversation has to be conducted on the keyboard. No talking. The author was on the side of the chatbots. He had to convince the judge sitting on the other side that he was human. Ridiculous, right? That's the whole premise of the Turing test. If one of the judges made the wrong call, that would be the point at which chatbots passed a major milestone. The book takes you deep inside how conversations are constructed, how we use words, pauses, and greetings to great effect. And for the author, it was a unique challenge to convince the judge on the other side that he was human. Here's more about the book, The Most Human Human by Brian Christian. On to the next post. The newspaper used to be a morning habit, but with the internet, all that has changed. So we have a very wide choice of sources from where we can get our news. But what if we could make our own newspaper? Try this experiment. Make your own newspaper. What does the next generation of news publishing and consumption look like? Tweets. In the early days, it was about vanity updates and personal broadcasting. Then the Arab Spring happened and tweets became the news lifeline in the countries going through it. How do you create your own newspaper? If you Google how to use lists on Twitter or TweetDeck, you'll get instructions or articles. Separate the people you follow into chosen topics or lists and build Twitter feeds made specifically for you. Define your range of interests as widely or as narrowly as you like. Choose your own writers or journalists. However, they tweet whenever they please. That's part of the experiment. News doesn't happen on a schedule, right? So you don't get it on your doorstep every morning. There are no headlines or sections to flip through. 
but you'll get stuff that is not available on any mainstream newspaper. You wade as deeply or lightly as you want into preferred streams of thought. Science, politics, technology, movie stars, CEOs, educators, sports, philosophers. Try people who can teach you something new. Expand your expert circle. Make your own newspaper, local, global. The mix is up to you. Here's a guide to using, using lists on Twitter. Now, the last post for the day. Most brands are on the airwaves, in media, on the internet, and they're constantly trying to attract the customer's attention. The point is that customers don't normally tune in. So how do you broadcast on customer frequencies? Customers are very effective at tuning out brand images. You won't get through when they aren't interested, no matter what you try. But there's a point at which noise becomes the signal. Remember the static between radio stations? That's precisely how customers navigate. When they tune in, noise becomes the signal. Sometimes you'll hit prime time with the messaging. On others, you'll miss completely. So you'll have to keep broadcasting at multiple frequencies because your customers tune in only when they are ready. And your messaging has to be consistent. Does that sound crazy? It does, because that's how it works. What's noise today could be the signal tomorrow when customers pay attention. Don't buy into the myth that customers have short attention spans, that it's hard to get them to listen. When they're interested in what you're selling, they're focused 100%, locked in and ready to spend. You can't choose your customers. They choose you from a sea of noise and messaging around them. Think of branding as broadcasting. You have to be on air as much as possible, but you won't know who will tune in and when. Thank you for listening. Until next week then. Bye-bye.